Hey, what's going on out there, Clipper people? It is me, William, the Opinion Updike. And I am Positive Chuck Mockler. And we're your friendly neighborhood Clippers podcast. Just oh, yeah. a couple of best friends and Clipper credentialed media folks who uh, mm-hmm. br- bring you locked on clips five days a week. It's a good time. My first credentialed game this season was that last Nets game. So that one's on me, guys. It was. I apologize for that yeah. one. <laughs> uh, well, they lost the Celtics game that I was at, too. So maybe we're both bad <laughs> luck in go. person this year. Um, anyways, we got a heck of a show lined up for you today. We're going to kick things off with a Clippers versus Wizards preview. The Wizards will be on the second night of a back-to-back, but they are currently on a four-game win streak. We're going to talk about what we need to do well to win that one, as well as what could go wrong. And then, it's my favorite day of the week. It's Twitter Tuesday. Every single Monday, we ask for your questions on Twitter. That's at LockedOnClips. Thank you so much to everybody who sent those in ahead of time. If you'd like a chance for your question to get featured on the show, go ahead and shoot it over at LockedOnClips. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. Anytime. Uh, some some great stuff in there. It might spill over a little bit into shavings, which is just kind of where we wrap up everything else. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the arena. There's kind of been some new stuff taking cryptocurrency. <laughs> Very I exciting. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, so all that and more coming up right about now. You are locked on Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So we got Clippers versus Wizards. Clippers are getting the Wizards on the second night of a back-to-back. Yes. After playing the Lakers. They're about to play the Lakers as we record this podcast. Not the worst situation for us, you know. Um, I've talked about this all season. Uh, I want the Los Angeles, you know, the the Los Angeles trip to be the trip you go 0-2 on. Yeah. I I love that for us. And you know what else it helps out? Helps out the pack div. Yes. Which is what we're all about here. It does. Uh, There's a small chance Russell Westbrook sits for this game, but Scott Brooks didn't really, you know, he said there's a good chance he plays. There's a foot issue. So he has set out some back-to-backs, but I think we can expect to see Russell Westbrook in this one. What do the Clippers need to do well against a maybe not as good as they wanted to be Wizards team? Look, uh, you know, we we mentioned it up top, but we got to take advantage of a team on the second night of a back-to-back. Um, we got to establish a lead early and hopefully maintain it. I think that this would, that like, it would be great to me to see a great offensive night for the other guys. Uh, you know, maybe yes. for this one, we don't have to have Quine and Paul George shoulder so much yeah, of a load. Average 30. <laughs> yeah, at, you know, like after, you know, th- this will be their third game back. It'd be really nice to see Batum kind of get back into a rhythm. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'd love that for him. Lou Will's had a little bit of up and down play uh, just from a, from an efficiency standpoint. I think, mm-hmm. you know, the effort has definitely been there. Um so th- this is a bad defense, you know, that we're going up against. It, it, Damn, it, all right. It would just be really nice to kind of just tee off offensively. Um, just let it rip. As we've talked about, the offense is, at this point, several steps above the Clippers' defense. Uh, so, yeah, just just building on to that could be a great confidence builder and kind of these games against the Wizards are, are kind of a nice little bookend sort of here on this last yeah. little six-game trip of what has been a fairly difficult month. Yeah, 100%. Um, we need to limit Beal and Bertans on the perimeter. Absolutely. We. I would love to see Bertans get the Joe Harris treatment. Yes. Uh, Bradley Beal and uh, Davis Bertans are taking 15 of the Wizards' 33 three-point attempts a game. He hit nine in their win over the Nuggets. Yeah. Bertans did. And he, he, so he takes 8.8 shots per game. 
7.8 of those are three. So we know where it's coming from, Bertans, right? Like, we know we need to shut down for him. Third on their list for three-point attempts per game is Russell Westbrook. So I'm fine if we funnel attempts his way. Like, if we lose on Russell Westbrook turning into J.J. Redick, I'm not sure what else we're supposed to do. So it'd be nice. Yeah, like that Joe Harris treatment, that'd be a good thing. Um, what else do we got to do? Gotta just be aggressive on drives. Uh, we saw a little bit in that Nets game where I was actually really pleased with the three-point shooting. However, uh, sort of inside the arc, I did feel like at times we were kind of settling for some shots instead of really playing downhill. We got sucked into it, I think, is what Paul George said, like into that ISO stuff and just like, eh. Yeah, yeah, just not really, you know, um, both drawing defenders to open up assists for other players yeah. or, you know, just, uh, it, you know, it does affect your ability to get to the line. Uh, and I do think, I do think there is something to be said about the whistle going your way. And I think the sooner you kind of get it going your way, you establish a precedent for sure. And so the wizards are allowing a league worst 27 free throw attempts per game for their opponents. So this precedent will be there to be set. PG needs to be aggressive early to and hopefully actually get a whistle. Yes. Um, that would be nice if the refs could, you know, do do their job a bit for that. I hope Zoo could maybe get some calls too. We all all Clippers fans know Zoo it seems like he gets fouled pretty much every time he grabs an offensive rebound or pump fakes. It seems like he's getting smacked. He's averaging just under three free throw attempts per game over his last five games. So this could be maybe six or seven in this game. Six or seven from Zoo would be huge. That'd be great. Uh, I, I, I'd really appreciate that. All right, so anything else we need to do well before we get into what could go wrong? Let Jerome Robinson play more than 17 minutes per game. Oh, we're, are we going to be calling the rotations? What I mean by that <laughs> is I want this to be out of the way to the point where Jerome Robinson plays like 25 minutes. Okay. I want this one to be taken care of by the Clippers to where it's like, wow, Joe Robinson logged a lot of minutes for the Wizards against the Clips. Smoked oh. the Clippers. Oh, they, yeah, Joe oh, they lost. Either Joe Robinson, Robinson plays a bunch of minutes because the Clippers are destroying the Wizards, or he plays a bunch of minutes because he shoots 12 of 15 from three. Hey, man, I don't think we need to be dumping on the guy. It's his uh, birthday today. It could happen. Happy birthday, Roman. We're recording this. What could go wrong in this game? Uh, look... This is a team that likes to get downhill. They take the majority of their attempts within five feet of the basket. Um, it, it could defensively be a nightmare, uh, or it could be a really good opportunity for kind of us to get our heads straight and communicate, especially, you know, looking out for backdoor cuts, um, things like that, like just easy kind of rotations and miscommunications. Uh, so they also are a faster team than us. They're taking like four-ish more field goal attempts. Um, yeah, they're the fastest team in the league. So, yeah, keep, keeping up with that. What, what else do you think could go wrong in this one? We let them live at the line. Okay. They, so, look, the Wizards give up 27 free throw attempts per game. They also take around 27 free throw attempts per game, which is the second most in the league. Um, if our interior defense is having to chase guys or there isn't good communication and stuff like that, when Westbrook kind of comes barreling into the lane, we could see the Clippers... Uh, kind of let the Wizards hang around in this one. And I don't think that anyone wants to watch that. A lot of people were disappointed with how the Clippers played against the Nets for whatever reason, even though the Nets still had um, Kyrie and Harden and without Durant. But this just feels like a scenario where the Clippers could shoot themselves in the foot. If Serge and Zoo pick up fouls early, like that's the nightmare. But a lot of that isn't necessarily on the players so much as maybe the refs. So. Definitely. It is something that could go wrong, but I don't think it will. Yeah, I mean, 
especially if they're giving up so many free throws. I would, you know, once again, I would hope that whistle could kind of go our way. Let's look at some key matchups. I'm kind of interested in sort of the guards versus forwards in this. Look, Bradley Beal has described this Wizards defense as unable to guard a parked car. Uh, on top of <laughs> wow. that, they kind of they they <laughs> all right. They kind of lack, you know, like sort of defensive minded stopping forwards. Yeah, well, I mean, specifically, they lack mm. the kind of forwards to match up with Kawhi right. or Paul George or maybe, frankly, even Nick Batum. Uh, Morris, like we we can kind of destroy them on both starters and bench. Yes, theoretically. But we have a lot of difficulty with dynamic guards, uh, especially guys who play down downhill, especially guys who are very comfortable hoisting up floaters. Yes. So, you know, this this is going to be an interesting it's, – it's an interesting kind of test. It'd be death by floater if the Wizards win. Yeah, yes. Pretty much. Um, and Dave, Davis Bertone Streets. Uh, I mentioned the pace earlier. Clippers versus the pace. Wizards play at the fastest pace in the NBA. How do the Clips combat this? Do we just try and go as slow as possible? So, I thought... It's a uh, weird scenario, right? I thought a little bit in that Nets game, especially early on, we really got lulled into their their pace. Yes. Things started out so frenetic and yeah. so disjointed. <laughs> Goofy. And I think that that led to a bunch of the turnovers that we saw yeah. in that game. So, yeah, I, I do think a key is um, you know being able to defensively backpedal and get back and stay in front of guys. But I'm fine with slowing things down on the offensive end. Yeah, uh, if it's you know, working and we're getting to, and then Kawhi's getting to his spots, Kawhi does this thing where it looks like Kawhi when he gets the ball is looking directly at the spot he wants to get to, and the defender kind of sees, oh, Kawhi wants to go directly to the spot, and it does not matter. He still gets to the spot. He still snaps that transition jumper. I, I think you're right. I think just taking it to that pace, getting to that Kawhi speed yes. will go a long way in this one. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, that will help with the turnovers too. Look, there's times where I do think this Clippers offense could really speed things up in transition, which they have been getting better at. Um, it's just one of those things that I think is looking a little bit rusty right now due to guys just returning back to the lineup. Yeah. What's your prediction for this game? Uh, I think the Clippers put this one I think they put this one away comfortably. Yeah, I think the Clippers get this win. I think Ty Lue coaches a great game. We see some fantastic execution on both ends for the Clips. Um Coming up, we're going to be answering some fantastic fan questions on Twitter Tuesday. We appreciate you submitting those to Locked On Clips. But first, I got to give a shout out to Rock Auto. Hey. Uh, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Sir, is your fly down? Why are you holding those headlights? Those types of things. And wait while the counterman orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals as DIYers. why spend up to twice as much for the same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on and they're how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car could ever need rockauto.com Okay, so we're back 
with Twitter Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned up top, thank you to everyone who sent those questions in ahead Got of time. Got a lot of them. We can't get all of them in every week. We apologize. We apologize. It's, you know, it's just a workflow thing. That's our bad. A couple of friends doing their best over here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, Danny EMT, proud owner of a Batum Battalion t-shirt. Yes. Which the man himself acknowledged today. The, yes. Nick the Batum. Nick, the Nick Batum. The Nicholas Batum. Um, he said, now that Terrence Mann took Kennard's spot, do you think we'll see some experimentation during the stretch between Reggie and Kennard? I'll tell you what, I hope so. Yes. I think it's best for all parties involved, and that means the Clippers rotation and Luke Kennard and Ty Lue, I think it's good to figure out what you're dealing with right now. I have to be honest. I, with Pat Bev back in the lineup, uh... I'm just really confused once again where both of these pieces are kind of fitting in. Definitely an either-or thing between Reggie and Luke. I don't know, honestly. You I think Reggie fit? I mean, Reggie does fit better. He has more familiarity. Reggie has more familiarity. I think he's a little bit more comfortable like running the point. Like <laughs> he's a, a lot more confident in his shot. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, he has the confidence. Um he, you know, he did bounce back from a poor stretch of play, which, you know, the, the same thing could happen for Kennard. But... I don't know. We we it seems like the first subs coming in right now are Lou and Zoo. Yeah, so that is love it. You know, you know, firmly where we're where our head is at for the backup de facto one uh, and five, I guess. Yeah, um, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> but that was never the five. Was never <laughs> yeah, really thankfully that wasn't an issue. Uh, so yes, I I think we could see some experimentation. I really hope we do. That's what I, I mean. I think it's good. I think it's good. I'm I'm just. Look, I, you know, like before Pat Bev went out, I would say I had no idea where Reggie was going to fit into this. For sure. And then he, I thought that he stepped up pretty well. You know, still not the most efficient player. Still makes a lot of decisions I don't love. Yeah. Uh, but I thought he played admirably and performed well for a team that was backed up in a poor position. For sure. Uh, and then Kennard, like. We've man. seen one flash from Kennard, and it was that Celtics game. And there hasn't been any other evidence to kind of suggest he should get consistent playing time, which is tough. It's a playing time thing from Ty Lue. It's a performance issue on his part. It's a weird two-way street right now. It's Yeah, it's a weird two-way street where he doesn't understand what he's supposed to be doing, uh, and I also just don't think he's being told. Interesting. Yeah. A lot remains to be seen with that. Uh, about nothing pod asks, do the Clippers extend man or let him walk? He's, he's staying. Yeah, he's definitely staying. He's the one draft pick other than Shea that has worked out in recent memory. I mean, so he has to stay. There's yeah. no way he's let, <laughs> letting him walk. And he was a second-round pick, so he doesn't have – he has an even cheaper contract. Yes, yeah. Cheap contract. Uh, he's been playing really well. He's just the kind of asset that you need to have sort of in the clip uh, yes. to be a successful yes. team. You need to have like those sort of later draft picks or guys that you can cultivate from the G League who are on lower contracts, lower, lower you know dollar amount contracts, but still can have an impactful contribution. Yeah. And I would say that right now that is exactly what Terrence Mann is looking like. 100%. Um, I am FJ Music asks, what concerns do you have after watching the Clippers versus Nets game? What changes would you guys make? And who do you guys think needs to step up more? There's a Danny H has a follow up kind of related question with this, which I think is kind of basically what my answer is going to be. 
In both Nets games, do you think it's possible that Ty Lue is not showing his cards because he expects a playoff matchup? He did this in Cleveland, and the Clippers seem to play differently against the Nets in a way that doesn't seem to be due to anything the Nets are doing. I think Danny H kind of nails it. So, like, I think there were some. De- the only time I think Ty Lue showed some of his cards was with the small ball lineup, which looked great. Like that, that, you know, between with the five, um, PG, Kawhi, Bev, and Mook out there is. I love watching that lineup. We saw it against the Jazz too. I think he. I think it's kind of experimenting. I think if it was a Western Conference opponent, he maybe wouldn't. But I don't. I'm not, I'm not saying these games are throwaways or anything like that at all. But I think there's a little more inclination to maybe experiment from Tinker and Ty. So I do like both these questions because they tie into each other. I am most concerned about the defense after watching the Clippers versus Nets game, especially. Look, we've been doing a decent job curtailing threes and like making those attempts harder for opponents. That's great. That's a key to any modern NBA defense. Where we're still really far behind, I feel like is is just sort directly of, underneath the basket. <laughs> yeah, in, in the restricted area, it has just not been very good, and that is exactly how a lot of teams that we would match up against really like to play. Yeah, uh, and it's one of those things where look, you know, the Cavs teams. We're low-ranked defensively Yeah, uh, a lot of times going into those finals. And guess what? It really showed in those last two appearances For against sure. the Warriors. So I'm, I'm, I'm still like, you know. I'm, Net specifically, I don't think it's as big a deal, but I agree with your point in a broader sense of against Western Conference backcourts. Yeah, so I'm just saying I don't necessarily love this idea of like playing the cards close to the chest. I... I kind of agree with Doc Rivers on the thing of like, so in the playoffs in each round, you maybe bring out one new thing. Two or three rifles. Game one, yeah. and then it's kind of like, okay. And yeah, we don't even have full sets yet, right? Like, we're still trying to get over this injury. You know, we're missing time from guys. Yeah, yeah, missing time from guys. And then just kind of figuring out those roles in communication. As far as adjustments, um, you know, <laughs> I know that it's asking a lot in a 72-game series. I would like to see kind of maybe Kawhi being willing to like take on uh, some larger sort of defensive roles early in the game. It's uh, a very political way to express that, and I agree with you 100%. I, you know, I would like to see Serge sort of, you know, reading the scenario on the pick and roll a little bit better, like understanding when he needs to play up closer to the screener and like when it's it's more advantageous for him to drop. To drop, 100%. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean – yeah, just in general, the defense is the thing I'm the most worried about, especially, you know, just the paint defense. But I, you know, I'm not going to worry, worry about it yet. For sure. Um, Frankie Lampard asks, and I'm just, we're gonna, I'm just going to answer this one real quick. And we're going to move on. What do you um, got? They ask, the importance of Pat Bev is understated, uh, but do the Clippers need a more prolific score on the point guard to stand a chance against the Nets and establish all-star level point guard? I'm just going to go ahead and take this one. Say absolutely not. I don't understand how if you watch the Clippers play, you think that a score-first all-star level point guard is A, gettable, and B, would somehow put us over the edge against the net specifically. So I, I just don't get it. It makes me upset. <laughs> so I, I, I actually really like this question, and, and I think that it's kind of indicative of the way we as fans and as people – have kind of shifted to value offense so much higher than defense. Uh, and I think, if anything, from watching 
both of these Nets matchups, what I want is a guard who's a stopper. And I maybe even want one more stopper out there in clutch moments versus another scorer. I just think looking at this... Don't know how we get there, really. Yes. Like, I don't know the path. That's the other part. The path to any of these scenarios is so weird. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think we have the personnel already to sort of figure out that scenario. But me looking at this offense, uh, I thought there were some things in the Nets game, especially where, like, we were deterred around the paint a lot. And, like, giving, given some of the – just the roster construction of the Nets, that's, like, a little worrisome. But I don't look at this offense and think that's what Wow, we need Kemba is. Walker. Because what, when you're saying we need an all-star scoring point guard – Yeah. Like – it's like the Kemba Walker type or something like that where you're just like, so you take the ball, so they're a volume shooter and they take the ball out of Kawhi and PG's hands. <laughs> like, And they're not yeah. distributing or playing defense. Yeah, I just don't think, I mean, looking at this team, the offense to me is not something that I'm particularly worried about. No, no, no. Well, I mean, we just have dudes who can score <laughs> in yeah. a multitude of ways. Um, we're going to answer a couple more questions after this break. Will, talk to me about Ben Online. All right, look, so Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college, basketball, and the NHL are all in full swing. And Bet Online covers more than sports. They cover award shows, TV shows, even reality TV, if you want to get those bachelor bets in. Grammys are coming up. I think that'd be a fun one to bet on. Uh, Real time. My money's on Macklemore for hip hop album of the year again. (laughs) I guess they're coming up in like nearly a calendar year. So uh, it's barely coming up. But they, no matter how far away it is, Bet Online has. There's odds, baby. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device. Sign in today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome to Shavings. Just a couple more questions we got. Then we're talking talking about Clippers crypto. Um, Bilal 35 asked, we saw the Clippers go small at the end of both the Utah and Brooklyn games. Do you guys think this strategy is sustainable come playoff time? And if so, which teams will it be effective against and which teams will it be not so effective? OD Thoughts adds, he likes this idea, but would maybe prefer Zuri Baca in certain situations, for example, to box out DeAndre Jordan with 11 seconds left. I am going to say that this small ball lineup between Utah and Brooklyn has been kind of my favorite parts of the season. Because okay. it looks, there is something, remember all the small ball lineups who wanted Dr. Run? Remember every single small ball lineup that looked great in 19 minutes of play together over the whole season but never got an actual chance? Yeah. Now we have a coach who's going to give those lineups a chance, and I think it's going to work teams in the playoffs. So everyone can shoot. Everyone can defend. Like Nick Batum's the worst defender in the Bev, Kawhi, PG, Morris, Batum lineup, right? I think that's a little harsh. I mean, he is, though. And out of those five guys. Out of elite company. Exactly, for sure. So It like, depends on the matchup. For sure. But that's still a good thing. Yes. And everyone can shoot, we know. So. I mean, I think if it's effective against the Jazz, I think it's effective against kind of any team in the Western Conference. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think that Odie Thoughts is kind of spot on with... Good know, points there, though. A, a worry about, you know, some some of the rebounding. Yeah, that, that DJ put back, that one hurt. That yeah, one it hurt. hurt. It hurt my chest. Uh, but I, I do think that it can be effective. I think, here's the thing, man. Uh, we heard a lot of talk about small ball lineups, as Chuck alluded to. I like that we are playing with them, but I also love what we've seen from Ty Lu in just matchup based. Yeah, uh, it, this of, is working. We're going to do this. No yes. reason to no reason to get crazy. It's, it's much more. <laughs> it's much more contextual versus a sort of just kind of leaning back on whatever old hat kind of thing has worked for us before. Yes. So I, I think that God, that's really yes. solid, and I I think that seeing these kind of trends especially against some really tough opponents i think that that could be a peak of things to come but once again if it's not working we're gonna abandon it and i think that that is i mean i think that that's really refreshing that's that leads into this great question by dinar third in 12 is it any of is it of any concern at all how much we tend to fall out of our offense particularly against better teams they're specifically i'm pretty sure talking about the net situation where we just kind of went to iso ball that is a problem that I don't know if it's concerning. It's definitely annoying. So we've he, seen this stagnant ball movement just lead to like kind of people watching Kawhi and PG. It's been less this season, which has been good, but yeah. I just hope it doesn't continue when he, we play these good teams. Here's the thing I, I think that in that Nets game, we kind of doomed ourselves early on by lulling ourselves into their pace. And I think when you get into those sort of pressure scenarios and you're trying to play quick, you know, your body is going to resort to what's instinctual. Yeah. And what's instinctual <laughs> for Kawhi and Paul George? I mean, we know what it is. It's, yeah. you know, getting in Scoring the basketball. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and trying to score the basketball. And sometimes it's not the most efficient. Sometimes down the stretch when Kawhi has sort of resorted to his skill base and kind of leaned back on things, I haven't been thrilled with the shot selection. Uh, and he also hasn't been as efficient this year at some of those positions yeah. in the paint that he normally is, some of those sort of longer range twos. So I do have some concerns, but I think the issue is more more based in the continuity, right? Yeah. I think it becomes second nature once you get enough experience with the full roster. That's right? a good call. Like yeah. that then becomes the offense that you rely on in high pressure situations when you have you know less than a second maybe to make a to make a good decision. Um, so I, I think that it is a familiarity thing, and I do think that it will come along. But I, you know I do agree that there have been times where I have not been thrilled um, with some of the. I'm going to call it instinctual offense because I don't necessarily know that that's the play that's being drawn up and in it's some nice of that, those scenarios. It's nice that kind of almost every time that it's happened, they've mentioned it in the post game. Like they've been yes. like, we fell back on ISO and it really screwed us up. Um, but so, we've also seen like, I, I mean, look. I we've thought, seen them win games because ISO too. <laughs> it's the flip side. <laughs> but we've also seen them make really good decisions. We've seen Ty Lue make great adjustments yeah. in ATOs. I thought, you know, whatever happens with the foul, obviously that's out of your control. I thought what they ran for Kawhi in the last play. It was great. Against the Nets. It was the perfect play. That was winning basketball, and that was a winning field goal attempt. And if, you know, he fouls that nine out of ten times – I will still, I, I will I'm still die that on that hill. Yeah, I'm taking that I will that die shot. on that hill because I think that that's the best available option. As Paul George wouldn't say, it's a good shot. Um, <laughs> Clipper Va Vlad wants, uh, they have an interesting take. I do appreciate Lou's timely use of timeouts, 
but he seems to run through his timeouts every game and they never have any come the final seconds of the game. Do you see this trend continuing? I see it costing us in close games. If I remember correctly, we had a late timeout left against the Nets. Mm-hmm. So, no. I Right? I love, I, I love Lou's use of timeouts. Yeah. I just think that it's... Uh, it's immediate. He, you know, like like I alluded to earlier, he makes great calls as far as play calling offensively. Yeah, and I just think he does a good job of doing his best to stop other teams' momentum. Yeah, uh, and I think that it's really important. And and I trust his ATOs, even if we don't have all the time. I think we'll be fine. Yes. Yeah. Um, big question from uh, Arno Mandathian. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, Clippers fan since 03. Feel like I've seen it all. My PTSD with this team makes me hesitant at times to feel good about our team and really buy into our chances of winning it all. I know we're a top-tier team and I should enjoy the ride, but I'm having trouble. Thoughts? Okay. Very fair question. It's hard to get hurt 2,000 times and come back for the 2,001st time. Definitely. We've all... If you're listening to this podcast, you've been there. Yes, I have to be honest, though. I've been very high on this team at times. Um, and then they just they just kick your shins out from underneath you. They do, but, I mean, if we're being honest, the team has never been as close as it is now. Maybe last <laughs> season. You know, but, like, no, seriously, no, though. No, I agree, because I, be I was literally just going to say, Arno, I agree with you, but this year's different, which is what we say every year. But this year's different. It look, it just is, and you know, last year it's 2021. Okay, last year was super unfortunate and very par for the course for the Clippers. But there's very clear issues of why we lost. So many extenuating circumstances too. Uh, it's a weird one, you know, and that's not to take anything away from that title, but it is a weird one. Yeah, uh, and it, it was a weird scenario for the Clippers. So, look, I I don't know. I tried my best to not read too much in or buy in on the team this year. Uh, Good luck, buddy. <laughs> I'm all in at this point. And uh, it was very hard. It, it was very hard to try and not buy in on this team. You wake up every day, uh, you look in the mirror, you're a Clippers fan. Yes. And all you can do is be a Clippers fan, and, and that's a beautiful thing. And ultimately, I will continue to punch my car to get my teeth kicked in <laughs> year in and year out. Free teeth kickings, yeah. Um, Arno, we hope you can enjoy the team. What I would do, I would just try and enjoy this regular season. Let's get let's get stressed out when the playoffs start. Or, yeah, or free agency next year. Who knows? You know, like, let's, well, let's just keep putting it off. This season is... You know, this, this one feels good. This one just feels good, and I think we should just enjoy it for what it is, and, and we'll see what happens, man. The, the cards will fall as they may. Yeah, we'll see. Um, or the chips. I don't know what or this the thing clips. is. Or the clips. I'm not good at gambling. <laughs> <laughs> and then just one final note on some shaving stuff. Um, Steve Ballmer was talking about the new arena for the Clippers. He said, as we look to open a new arena for the Clippers, which we are working for on for groundbreak in 2024, supposed to be done by 2025, we're going through the process to say, hey, are we going to take Bitcoin for payment in the arena? So the Sacramento Kings were, I'm pretty sure, the first team to do this in 2014. Yeah, and I think they take Ethereum now, too. I think they take a couple of different cryptocurrencies. Sure. Um, there was a bar in Hollywood that you could use as a Bitcoin ATM. Karma Lounge, baby! So I am... Technically not Hollywood, but yeah. I am under the assumption that it's anyone can do this. I used to do open mics at Karma Lounge. Uh, and would watch people try and use that Bitcoin machine. It was not a place where investors were hanging out. Let's just say. 
Um, this just kind of feels like lip service. I feel like Bitcoin and crypto is like the thing for those 70 billionaire to say to seem cool about the new arena. And it's like, I don't care if Bitcoin is a thing. At yeah, these arenas. I do not care. How many fans going to this game are like, oh, can I pay with bit? How many complaints has Staples Center had that you can't pay with Bitcoin for Wetzel's? Yeah, let me know. Let us know at Locked On Clips if you would only pay for Clippers-related expenses in Bitcoin. I'd love to know. I just don't get it because if you pay the Clippers Bitcoin, say you pay the Clippers one whatever it is of Bitcoin for a hot dog, the next day, the amount that you gave the Clippers could be worth a lot more. I'm than look, what I'm, in I'm an amateur with Bitcoin, but I'm is that I'm not full a full agreement with you? I haven't transferred a bunch of money that in my Coinbase account that I bought a bunch of Bitcoin with with the intention of gambling. You're doing the same thing with Coinbase, yeah. Because I mean, I've more than doubled my money just having it sit in Coinbase. I mean, locked on crypto with Will Updike coming out. One what, last two crypto weeks? thing we, we got to talk about. What what the hell and why the hell is this NBA Top Shot? I've I so full disclosure. I'm 31 years old. Yes. This wave has passed me. So this wave happened two weeks ago. I don't know what this is. I have I, no interest in buying. A video highlight of a player that is then going to be bought by someone else. I just don't. I understand it being like trading cards, but you don't get to have any. But also, how? Yeah. Also, <laughs> it's a card, right? Why? I hope this is played on some. These guys are morons about Top Shot when everyone makes a million dollars because I'll take that. Freezing cold takes. You you can freezing cold take me all you want. I just you know you can watch the highlights for free on stats.nba.com. So that's. So that's my thing is like that doesn't seem to be the issue is like there's these value and these highlights, but a lot of NBA players are now getting involved in it too. And I don't get how everyone in the NBA is young compared to a lot of other professional sports. They're young people with expendable income a whole lot more than the target demographic for what Top Shot is for. The players themselves can skew the market. Absolutely. Also, I get where it's going on the secondary marketplace. I get where that money's going. I don't. Where is the money going when you're initially buying it? Is that going to the NBA? Is the I think it's going to the top Is the shot photographer company. or videographer getting any money who works for the Because the NBA is involved in the thing. It's yes. not like the NBA's company, but they're like, they have a piece of it. Because I, I mean, they have, it, they, they have it, to license the kind rights. of theirs. Yeah. yeah. I ju- it, just, it also freaks me out because... It's leading to a bunch of Twitter pages who do highlights getting DMCA'd and taken down. So this is the thing, like... So they're just privatizing highlights. Yeah. Which is not good for anybody listening to this. This has been kind of a move by the NBA recently. Like, they used to be pretty free and clear with rights to game footage and letting people do video breakdowns uh, and a lot of stuff like that. It's almost like letting people grow it organically on social really helps the league out. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, so they were so far ahead of every other league in terms of kind of social media and that sort of interaction. And now, like, they've cracked down on a bunch of YouTube channels and stuff like that. And I, I don't know. I think it's kind of BS. I think, And I think that you're kind of like punching the gift horse or whatever the expression is in the face on this. Like, people who used to freely promote your league and your yeah. content uh now have to and, buy and, a pack you know, maybe of video make a couple cards? shekels off it themselves <laughs> maybe uh and now like you're gonna clamp down on that i don't know i think it's garbage but uh as far as nba top shot is concerned hey get that money i don't yeah. under, i don't understand stocks i don't either. i don't know either um that about wraps it up i think Let's, yes are there other stock stuff we want to talk about 
Look, let's just go back to Beanie Babies, all right? Hey, I have the Prince's Die Beanie Baby. <laughs> um, Wednesday's episode, we're going to be recapping the Clippers' hopeful victory over the Wizards. A What You Say Wednesday poll out on Locked On Clips. Look out for that if you want to vote in it over on Twitter. Whatever else happens between now and then in Clipland, well, where can these people tell their very smart friends to listen to us? You can tell your friends to check us out on iTunes or the podcast app. We're also on Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on Deezer. You can always tell your smart speaker to play Locked On Clips. Fun party trick. It's great. I love having a just a voice-activated speaker in my kitchen. Great for doing the dishes. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe. It really helps us out. If you feel so inclined, leave a rating and review on iTunes or the podcast app. We'd love to know what you think. And yeah, as we mentioned up top, the show comes at you Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. 7 a.m. Yeah. We'd love to have your listen. Absolutely. I have been positive, Chuck Mockler. And I am William the Opinion Updike. We appreciate you.